Hey guys, this is Rebecca, and you're listening to Fear, Spirits, Murder, and Lore. Welcome to the very first ever episode of Fear, Spirits, Murder, and Lore. My name is Rebecca. I'm your host. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for choosing this podcast to listen to. So just to kind of let you guys know what the vibe is going to be with this podcast, um, we're going to do a lot of spooky, we're going to do some true crime, we're going to do some scary lore, um, anything that you can think of that is spooky or inspires fear, um, we're going to be covering those kind of stories. So again, thank you guys for being here and we're going to go ahead and get into the very first episode, uh, which is a really cool story. So for today, I want to tell you guys about um, a story um, about this this guy named Brandon Swanson. So you may have heard this before, um, but if you haven't, it's incredibly interesting and it's a really creepy story. So we're going to go ahead and get into it. Um, In 2008, on May the 14th, in a town called Marshall in Minnesota, Brandon Swanson disappeared. He was 19 years old and he had been at a friend's house celebrating his graduation from a wind turbine program at Minnesota West Community and Technical College and this was in a small town north of Marshall called Canby. So Brandon had actually attended two different parties on the night of May 14th, um, two different parties that friends were hosting. So when he left the last party that was at, um, he took back roads home. He drove his car along the gravel roads. He skipped the interstate. He took the route that he was familiar with because this is the same route that he took back and forth to school each day. Um, He often avoided the highway and there might be a reason for this. So There was some speculation that Brandon probably chose to take this back road um, way home to avoid being stopped by police. However, when police actually started questioning people that were at the parties um, in relation to Brandon's disappearance, friends from both house parties, they did say that he had been drinking, but they all said that he had not drank enough to become intoxicated. So... With the speculation that he may have been trying to avoid police, um, that's understandable, but there's also the fact that he, that everybody said that he wasn't intoxicated, and he took this route back and forth to school all the time. He always drove the back roads, so he was familiar with this way to get to and from school, and on top of that, 
Um, Brandon had to wear glasses to correct an issue um, in one of his eyes where he was legally blind. It caused depth perception issues. So it's possible that he just felt more comfortable taking the back roads to get back and forth to wherever he was going from because it was less chaotic than the highway. I know um, a lot of people with that have to wear glasses um, struggle because of the glare of headlights at night from other cars. So he probably just wanted to take a route that he felt like was safer. So with all of this in mind, um, keep in mind that, that Brandon was on these back roads, okay? So while Brandon was driving, um, he crashed his car into a ditch, and this was around the 3900 block of Lyon Lincoln Road. So at about 2 a.m., he called his parents for a ride home. Um, he told them that there was no damage to his car. There was no damage to him. He just really needed to get home. So he told them he thought he was near the city of Lind. Um, he, he told his parents that he thought he saw some lights of a town in the distance. And so his parents drove out to look for their son and they had made an agreement that they would flash headlights as a signal so that, you know, and Brandon was going to stay on the phone with them. They'd flash headlights. He could let them know if he saw them so they would know where to stop and they would be able to find him. So his parents kept trying and failing to find their son and they got frustrated, um, obviously, because it, they were having such difficulties locating their son in the dark on this back road. So eventually, Brandon decided that it would just be easier for him to walk towards the lights of the town that he saw. And again, he thought this was Lind. He asked his parents to meet him in the parking lot of a nightclub that he knew was there in Lind. And he had reported when he was walking in a field that he saw lights nearby. So he thought that he was close to getting to this town. At 47 minutes into this call, Brandon said, oh shit. And then there was just silence. The call didn't end. It was just quiet. Brandon's parents were trying to get their son to tell them what was wrong. He wasn't saying anything, so eventually they hung up the phone and they tried calling Brandon back multiple times, but he never answered. So it's important to understand that after he said, oh shit, the call didn't end. He didn't hang up. It was just silent. The parents heard nothing. At 6.30 a.m., Brian and Annette Swanson went to the police station to report their son missing. The police... Um, handled this like they handle many other missing persons cases of you know kids or young adults in this age range they told their parents um, not to worry that kids his age stay out late all the time he'd most likely return and time was wasted as the police dismissed the parents report the police did eventually open up the case as a missing person um, they received his phone records and they found that Brandon had actually been near Porter, which is 25 miles away from where Brandon had actually thought that he was in Lind. So they searched the area that his cell phone had pinged. Brandon's car was located and it was in a ditch near Taunton. The keys were not in the car, but his glasses were. 
Okay, so that's incredibly interesting. Brandon needed these glasses because he was legally blind in his left eye. It caused him depth perception issues, but his glasses were in the car. Keys are gone, but the car was there. So the police began a search for Brandon. Um, this included hundreds of volunteers. There were search dogs, um, air surveillance over the area, and they included in their search the Yellow Medicine River. They thought that it was possible that Brandon could have fallen in the river and drowned. So they used the um, search dogs to survey the area. And they did pick up on his scent near the river. And they followed this trail all the way across to the other side of the river and then north along the riverbank where the trail just all of a sudden ended. Actually, going into 2021, teams were still searching for the searching the river for Brandon's remains, but they never did find anything. Um, so canines actually picked up on Brandon's scent from a piece of farm equipment nearby. So there's a lot of farms in this area, and the owners of these farms actually. Um, they refuse to allow their property to be searched. So this sounds like a really mean thing that they wouldn't let canines search their properties. However, um, it's really important for cattle farmers and for crop farmers to make sure that there's no disturbance of their livestock or of their crops. So a lot of the potential promising areas were unable to be searched because most of the landowners just refused. They didn't want canines to be searching their property. They didn't want searches to be conducted on their property and there be a potential of things to be ruined on their farms. Um, it was thought that the search dogs could disrupt their cattle or do damage to their, their crops, which is a perfectly reasonable thought. Um, a lot of these farmers, I mean, they know their lands. So a lot of them did say that they would search their own land for any sign of Brandon. Um, they would do it themselves, but they wouldn't allow officials or canines to search the property. Um, and nobody ever reported there being any sign of Brandon or any remains. Um, investigators have tried to reach a compromise that allows properties among the 140 square mile area to be searched around planting and harvest times, but owners are still unwilling to risk their farms. Um, again, most of them have searched their, searched their properties on their own looking for signs of Brandon, but they just don't want investigators to search, which is per perfectly reasonable. So there's a lot of speculations about what could have happened to Brandon. Um, there's a lot of unmarked cisterns in the area that he could have fallen into. Um, it was 40 degrees on the night that Brandon went missing. So he could have fallen into the river. He could have suffered hypothermia. In uh, 2023, tips still actually come into the tip line. So a lot of people still put tips in, they still call. Um, most of these have been unfounded. They haven't actually led anywhere. But it's interesting that someone did say that he got into an argument with someone the night of his disappearance. Again, this tip didn't actually lead anywhere, but it still causes some speculation. So 
Brandon's parents actually became advocates for Brandon's law, and this requires law enforcement to immediately begin a preliminary investigation regardless of a person's age when they go missing, and this law went into effect July 1st in 2009. So we're going to kind of discuss this, uh, this whole thing with Brandon and what might have happened to him. So I'm going to post a picture on our Instagram page of the areas in which um, Brandon was at. So you can see on this map um, where Brandon's car was found, where he was, uh, where he was going to, um, where he said he was walking towards. So you can see where Marshall is. You can see where Lind is. Uh, you can see where he started out. And then you can see where his car was found. So it's really confusing how he ended up where he ended up at. Um, and again, this could just be because it was dark outside. It had been a long day. He'd been partying. He'd been having a good time. It was really, really late or early in the morning, however you wanted to find that. You know, 2 o'clock in the morning is late to me. Um, and he thought that he was walking towards Lind. So there's a lot of distance between where his car was found and where Lind is. So it's, that's uh, interesting to me. And where he was trying to get to is where it says where he was going. So this is um, over in Marshall. So there's a lot of farmland around here. And then you have the river. Um, so let's think about that and let's think about the fact that it was 40 degrees this night. So it's possible that Brandon could have fallen. He could have fallen and he could have hurt himself. Um, you know, he says, oh shit, after... Um, you know, he said that he was walking through this field. His parents didn't hear anything else. They didn't hear anything in the background. Um, their son never came back to the phone and said, hey, you know, this is what happened. So it's possible that he fell um, and he was knocked out, okay? So let's just think about that as a potential option. So if he fell and he knocked himself out, he dropped his phone, um, parents disconnected the call, and then when he woke up, he couldn't find his phone, what would he have done? He would have kept walking, right? He would have kept walking somewhere to try to get some help. He could have been disoriented um, and he could have suffered from hypothermia because 40 degrees is pretty cold, especially if you're not properly dressed for the weather. I don't know if you guys just heard that. There was a loud car that just drove through my neighborhood. I'm sorry. You may hear that, you may not. Um, so that's one option. He could have just got lost. Um, he could have found himself near the river and he could have said, oh shit, because he fell in, dropped the phone on the riverbank, slipped down into the river, and he could have drowned. He could have been carried away by the river. Um, and the fact that investigators still haven't found any remains kind of makes you question this theory though, because by now, you would think that his, his body would have turned up. There is also the option that he fell in the river, he got wet, he got out, 
couldn't find his phone and started walking back towards the lights that he saw um, looking for help and suffered hypothermia that way. Um, he would have most likely, you know, started trying to get warm. He would have been walking around in these wet clothes. He probably would have started to feel really tired because that's what hypothermia does to your body. And he huddled up somewhere um, and, you know, died, which is really sad. Um, another thought that I had is that, and this is really, it's a really gross and kind of scary thought, um, but it's, it's realistic. He could have, he could have fallen into the river. He could have gotten soaked. He could have got out and started walking again and ended up dying in one of these fields for these farmers. And when the farmers brought their equipment out, um, and this is the reason that I think this, because canines picked up scent on a piece of farm equipment. So when one of the farmers started bringing their equipment out to do, you know, whatever they have to do on farms, you know, tilling or, you know, going over the ground or whatever, they could have hit Brandon's body. Um, and this is probably most along the lines where I stand um, on what could have happened to him. When you have a piece of equipment that big, um, and if you've got, you know, tall grass or crops or however that works on farms, I'm not a farmer um, expert, um, but you know, they could have brought this equipment out and they could have not seen him. They could not, they, they could have not even noticed that they hit him or that his body was there if this happened. And, um, that could be why the dogs picked up on his scent on a piece of farm equipment. So it's really kind of, you know, it's kind of a gross thought, um, which leads me to question whether the farmer that the dogs picked up on his scent on this piece of farm equipment, did this farmer know, you know, something that, that he wasn't telling, um, if he wouldn't let them search his property. However, all the farmers were on the same, you know, wavelength with that. None of them wanted their property searched because they didn't want any disruptions to their farms. So I like to believe that people would be honest. Um, if they knew something, they would have told something. They wouldn't be using um, this, no, I don't want anybody searching my property because you might disrupt my crops as an excuse to hide something like that, something awful like that. Um, however, it... it it's a possibility. Um, but yeah, so that's the story of Brandon Swanson. Um, short little episode, but you guys feel free to DM me on Instagram. Um, let me know what your thoughts are. What do you think might have happened to Brandon? Um, there's tons of articles that you can read about this case and about how wild it is um, that where he, where his car was found, where he was going, and where he said that he was walking towards the town of Lind. Um, it's, it's very interesting how this might have happened. So look at the map, send me a message, 
and thank you for sticking through with this very first episode and we're gonna grow together we're gonna get better at this together but i appreciate you guys for giving me an opportunity to give you a scary story so thank you guys so much for listening and be ready for the next podcast drop uh in two weeks see you guys soon